0: Welcome back to another Crypto Daily 3 at 3. All right, so today we're going to talk about first FUD fighting in North Korea, a story about a a, a big crypto, you know, hack or sequence of hacks that allowed them to fund nuclear programs. Two, we're going to talk about Robinhood UK, Um, Robinhood gets its UK operating license and what that might mean for mass adoption of crypto. And three, we're going to look at the magic Wizards of the Coast roots of some blockchain gaming projects. Um, So let's dive into FUD fighting on North Korea. So the last couple days, there's been a lot of conversations of hacks, right? Yesterday we talked about the um, Binance KYC hack, where uh, a hacker was basically threatening to, uh, to make public a huge amount of KYC data from Binance, um, theoretically, I guess, acquired in the same hack that we heard about a few months ago. Uh, we talked about that for a little bit, and we talked about how we didn't know exactly all the details yet, that it was still kind of being revealed, right? Um, A couple days before that, I guess, uh, this story came out. um, I think it was originally Reuters. That said, North Korea is funding its weapons of mass destruction with cryptocurrency and fiat stolen from banks and exchanges. So basically, this this story was that uh, North Korea had been hacking exchanges uh, over the last several years um, and, and other financial institutions, getting you know crypto activity and uh, and other uh, or getting getting access to cryptocurrency um, in order to fund its uh, illicit weapons programs basically Um, so uh, when this came out obviously a lot of the folks who are in this space you know sighed a big sigh groaned a big groan because it's yet another example of uh kind of the crypto is just for crime narrative however it's more than that right like we've seen over the course of the last few months how um, a number of kind of the biggest opponents of crypto in the u.s regulatory system for example have said that uh, all it will take is one big attack using, you know, financed by cryptocurrency for the American public to lose their interest in it. And regardless of whether you think that that's true or not, it's an important point that these regulators uh, are explicitly using that. I think Brad Sherman said this at the last congressional hearing that he was a part of. And so um, Masari yesterday uh, on their Unqualified Opinions newsletter um, dug into this a little bit. I think it was their analyst, Jack Purdy, who's been writing some really great stuff. He, uh, he dug into this, he makes the same point, right? He says, not a great headline for Bitcoin. While crypto is starting to gain more widespread attention, the vast majority of people have little knowledge of the space and are easily influenced by these sort of media-driven narratives. This particular narrative, crypto as a means for terrorist regimes to skirt sanctions and find nukes, is um bad. Right. I think we can all agree on this. So the thing is, uh, he pointed out that if you actually start to add up, we analyze every crypto hack on exchanges as well as other services such as cloud mining over the past decade and found a total of 1.7 billion has been stolen with the bulk coming from major hacks such as Mt. Gox and Coincheck. In other words, the total amount ever stolen is still less than what has been re- reported to have been stolen by North Korea. Um, and of course, this leaves aside the possibility that they, uh, you know, held or held on to all that money that they had acquired, which kind of means they could have just been investing instead of uh, instead of attacking. And so really what he's pointing out is that this is a, you know, cryptocurrency has currency as a uh, a narrative and a, a crime narrative with with the media. Um, and that's something that we have to fight. So um, I think it's worth pointing out. I think it's worth pointing out also the counterfud. FUD. Um, it's really important that we in the crypto industry take these things head on don't just dismiss the people putting them but but use them as a chance to to actually educate and hopefully focus on uh, other narratives which are much more interesting with that let's move on speaking of to something that is more interesting and that is a much more positive narrative which is robin hood moving to the uk uh so uh, robin is uh, obviously it started off just as a stock trading app it branched out into crypto um pretty recently uh, or not too recently i guess but like a year ago and, um, and that's really exciting, right? Because for a lot of the folks who are uh, just, you know, your average consumer, you're not spending your time on Bitcoin, Twitter. You're not spending your time on Reddit or whatever, learning about cryptocurrencies. To the extent that you hear about them, you're hearing about them either because, one, they're in the media. Uh, and until recently, that usually hadn't been a good thing. Um, and, or, and or two, the places where you're already spending your time and you're spending your money are introducing you to them in some way. And so when Robinhood came out and, and started supporting cryptocurrencies, is a big deal um, and so uh, earlier this year in january Robinhood um, got its bit license uh and then which means if it's able to operate in new york um, and then this is kind of like the next step where they're now able to operate in the uk so what does this actually mean um, it doesn't necessarily mean that there is huge adoption right around the corner uh obviously there's a difference between offering a product um, and uh, and it actually having traction. However, it does mean that there's going to be one more easy on-ramp um, for people to buy at least mainstream assets like uh, Bitcoin, and that's really exciting. And, you know, there's a lot to be said for these, uh, these kind of money apps and these latter-day almost mini-bank type apps that are selling uh, Bitcoin and crypto. So, um, obviously, Square is probably the best-known, Square's cash app, uh, for buying and selling um, crypto from kind of a mainstream perspective in the US. And boy, are people buying, right? So uh, a couple of months ago, or, or I guess a couple, just last week um, rather, uh, a number of people sort of noticed that on the Square earnings call, the results of their Bitcoin sales were really, really encouraging. So uh, Kevin Root points out, Square customers bought 125 million in Bitcoin last quarter. That's five straight quarters of accelerating revenue growth Uh, revenue growth for Square's Bitcoin business and 273% growth year over year. Um, You can see the chart. It's really uh, taking off. On the call, um, on the earnings call, uh, Jack Dorsey actually said, we love you, Bitcoin. So there's clearly big business, right, for people who are um, wanting to dabble in crypto and want an easy... Uh, you know experience in actually getting onboarded into that space um, this is something that's incredibly important and, and honestly in some ways can't be overstated people don't have this asset they don't really get uh, they don't have an investment in it literally or figuratively so I think that these these moves although they seem small um, individually are in aggregate really really positive for the space um, and speaking of let's move to one more area that's that's really exciting and dynamic in the crypto space. Um, Blockchain gaming. So I'm watching blockchain gaming with interest. Uh, I think that um, if you kind of look historically at where new technologies uh, emerge, gaming is one of the key areas, gaming, gambling, um, pornography. These are the spaces where uh, new technologies, new systems often take their roots. Um, And so it's interesting to see whether that will happen at all uh, in and around crypto. And there's lots and lots of folks who are interested and excited about the idea of NFT, non-fungible tokens, which theoretically provide uh, sort of a an actual, a true digital ownership, right? So instead of other digital assets where you don't have them, they're subject to, uh, to kind of confiscation or just irrelevance by the centralized game designer, the idea of, um, of these uh, of NFTs and true ownership is that you actually own them. You can do things with them, including uh, sell them on secondary markets, which creates whole new different types of interesting opportunities. You can imagine a scenario where, as more and more people watch esports, the the exact item that was used to win some big esports victory um, becomes a collectible. And you know, for those who seem far fetched, esports tournaments are already bigger. Um, from a viewership perspective than almost all sporting tournaments, you know, uh, terrestrial sporting tournaments. So this is a huge growth space um, outside of crypto entirely, just from a cultural perspective. And so the question is what part of that might come over to to blockchain-based gaming. And so, uh, you know, a couple of the areas of one of the areas that I'm watching most closely is um, the collectible card game space. It's in some ways it provides the most obvious parallels um, where people are used to this kind of experience between Hearthstone and the OG of the space, Magic the Gathering of, you know, playing these card games, building decks, competing against people. Um, And the idea of true ownership of cards is really easy. It's not hard for a Magic player to say, oh, I actually get that card and I could pull it out out of the Magic Online ecosystem or the Arena ecosystem or wherever they're playing. Um, of course, the question is, are these games good? Are they going to be fun? Are they going to actually attract people away from these properties, right? Magic's Arena is doing incredibly well. Hasbro just had its best quarter for a really long time, led by strong performance from the Magic space. Um, Hearthstone continues to be a powerhouse in the space. And so, um, so really the question is, can, can these games actually attract people? And It's not the same as attracting users, that's the real test. But one of the things that I've been watching is to what extent these games will be able to attract talent, right? Uh, If you look at the top talent in any given industry and they're choosing to spend their time in um, a a space that is kind of crypto or blockchain adjacent rather than working on whatever uh, the leading properties, the leading titles are, or just different paradigms of building, um, that's really interesting and that says something. And so um, two recent pieces of news that I I think are interesting. Uh, The first is just from today um, from Gods Unchained. Uh, It was announced that they had hired... Chris Clay, um, who was the, the director, basically, who brought Magic the Gathering Arena online. So for those of you who don't play Magic a lot, Magic has had an online client since 2002, I think, for a really long time, but it's very kind of old and, and clunky, and it's a very faithful representation of the paper game, but it doesn't take any advantage of, the, uh, of what you can do from a user interface perspective uh, online. And uh, Magic Arena is kind of the opposite. It's a beautiful, like, fun-to-use program that has really gotten new people into the game because it feels like a a commensurate kind of eSports experience. Um, You're seeing streamers shift over, streamers who had left Magic for Hearthstone coming back to Magic because of it, Um, so... This is uh, it's a it's a very successful product. Let's put it that way. So the fact that the first leader of that product has left the company and jumped into Gods Unchained is uh, is really interesting for them. Um, so I haven't dug that much into uh, kind of how he's thinking about it or or what they're doing. They're doing an AMA. It looks like uh, tomorrow at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. PST. Um, so that's pretty interesting. And then uh, speaking of Magic Talent, I-, I saw Alexis Ohanian. He announced a couple weeks ago that uh, his firm, Initialized, was a, an investor. And Skyweaver um, which is another sort of similar TCG, uh, CCG type experience. Um, I've seen a lot of folks in the crypto space uh, who've tried it, had a really good things to say about it. He's playing with the game's lead designer John Lauchs. Um, John Lauchs is another Wizards of the Coast alumni, Wizards of the Coast being the company that makes Magic the Gathering. Um, he also was uh, one of the original hosts of the largest, most popular uh, podcast in the Magic the Gathering space which is called Limited Resources. So what you're you're seeing is this cool kind of PayPal mafia thing where talent from wizards of the coast from magic, the gathering, which has a 25 year history of uh, as a collectible card game, as a trading card game, actually now moving into other gaming spaces and in particular into kind of these blockchain based spaces. Um, So that's going to be really fun to watch. I actually know of at least one other project that is um, still quiet and kind of in stealth mode that, but has a ton of uh, you know, really prominent names from that magic, the gathering community as well there so um, really cool to just kind of watch and see again at the end of the day Uh, Adoption, adoption, adoption. Adoption is everything. And when it comes to gaming, I think it's going to be largely about playability and unique experiences. Um, You could have the the best secondary economy opportunity in the world, but if your game is boring, no one's going to care. So that's the real thing to watch, but still it is meaningful, I think, that you're seeing at least part one, which is the talent from some of these leading properties moving into the blockchain gaming space. Um, So with that, I will wrap. That's the Crypto Daily 3 at 3 for Thursday, August 8th. I will be back tomorrow, as always, I think we're going to wrap up and talk a little bit about um, the week. The week from a macro perspective, we kicked it off with trade war intrigue and Bitcoin going up when everything else went down. So we're going to circle back on that and see see that how that played out this week. But, anyways, for now, guys, thanks for hanging out. Uh, we can chat more in the comments, and I will see you tomorrow. Peace.